We're going to be in James chapter 3, just dealing with the first 12 verses there. We'll be in James chapter 3 next week, Lord willing. Uh, we're just in James talking about everyday believer stuff. It's very practical stuff in James. It's got a lot of stuff that we can grab a hold of. It's got handles we can pick up and take home with us and put it in our everyday Christian life. Uh, we're going to talk today about words have power. So just a little quick review. Uh, we, we've dealt with in chapter 1, having joy. He says it in a strange way. Count it all joy when you fall into all these various trials and temptations. Count it all joy. So he puts joy and trouble all in the same sentence. So as believers, we have a different perspective on life. It's not that we're happy about the trouble, but we just know God's going to work something out of the mess. So we rejoice and give him praise in advance because God's got pretty good credit with us, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So count it all joy. And then he gets to talking about overcoming temptations. We've got to have the strength. Holy Spirit, help us to be able to overcome the temptations that are in our everyday lives. Then he started talking about not just being a hearer only, but being a what? A doer of the word, not just a hearer only. So we don't want to just hear the word. We don't want to just sit here and just become students to where we just take in an academic lesson or something like that. We want to be disciples and disciples are doers, right? Disciples follow Jesus and what he says and does. Then we talked about the royal law and the royal law was simply the law that Jesus put out as the greatest, second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor the way you would want to be loved. The royal law. Then we talked about dead faith, demonic faith. He talked about that. The demons even have faith. But what God wants us to have is this dynamic, life-giving faith. We talked about dynamic faith. So today is going to be a very popular message. This is going to be one you're going to want to get and pass around to all of your friends. Invite them all on Facebook to listen to, to this. Uh, you're going to love it. It's going to be really wonderful for you. It's about taming your tongue. Oh, Jesus. Lock the doors, Jerry. We, we got some business to take care of here. All right, you good? All right, so we're going to talk about the, word, the words that speak, that we speak to each other are extremely important. You believe that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're extremely important. Now, I had some other possible titles I was going to give this. I just went through my mind in a ton of things. Some of them are real generic. Some are kind of funny. Uh, words have power. That's what we kind of went with. Uh, we, we, could, we could have called it taming your tongue. We could have called it shut your mouth. Uh, we could have called it bite your lip. My mom always said bite your lip or bite your tongue. Anybody know that phrase? Bite your tongue. And if you look at my tongue, I got teeth marks right in the very tip top of where I just have had, you know, Lord knows I can't say everything that comes to my brain. I have tried that. <laughs> and, and never mind. Uh, we could call it hung by the tongue. A lot of folks know that deal. Uh, cuts like a knife. We could have called it watch your mouth. Uh, did I really say that? Mm-hmm. We heard it. Mm-hmm. And today they got it on video. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I told you so. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's one of my favorite sayings right there. Check yourself before you wreck yourself and maybe wreck some folks around you too. Uh, word to the wise, I wish I would not have said that. Anybody have that sympathy right there? Mm, you feel that pain? Or we could have said this, and this is kind of a theological idea. Words can move heaven and earth. They can. I'm just reminded what God told, the angel told Daniel when he came to him. He said, I am here because of your words. The words that came out of your mouth moved heaven. And God sent me to talk to you about this. And it was a big deal. It was about a national thing that Daniel was going through. So that's some other possible titles. I just wanted you to see that. All right. Now here, let's use this as kind of a premise. This is not James, but this is kind of a premise about our, our teaching about words. And we, we could do weeks and weeks about words, which we will in, in the future, Lord willing. Read this with me. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. You need to get this in your spirit. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. Are you reading with me? Let's reset it here. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Hmm, hmm. Death and life are in the power of not just anybody's tongue, your tongue, your tongue. Now, I like the way the Message Bible kind of paraphrases it right here. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I like the way that's said. So there is there's power in our words. What we say to one another. And, and I'm telling you, you could change the, the culture of your family. You could change the nature of your marriage just simply by checking yourself on how you speak to others. You can change the culture at your work, wherever you go, your relationships, simply by the words. And not, not just the words, because Mama did teach me this. It's not just what you say. It's also how you say it. And if you had a little sister, you learned how to say it. And I did. And Mama made sure I didn't only just say the right words, because it's not just about saying the right words. It's about saying the right words with the right heart, right? Right. All right. All right. So now, Scripture teaches us time and time again, Jesus especially, he, he hammers this time and time again, that words are like seeds. Say that with me. Words are like seeds. And what do we do with seeds? We plant them in the ground and we want something to come up from it, right? If it's tomatoes, we, we plant tomato seeds and we want tomato plants to come out of that, right? If we want corn or we want ryegrass, we plant that kind of seed and we hope it comes up. Well, see, God's word is likened to a seed. It's a seed that he even plants. In fact, God's, you know, everything that we know as far as creation is held together by the very word of God. It came into its origins by the word of God. Words are very, very powerful in God's kingdom. He orders, establishes, and holds his kingdom together with words, his words. Now, our words are important, too, because Jesus teaches us that our words are like seeds, too. And what we say is important. Jesus even said this sometime, that when you pray, when you, you can even speak to mountains in faith and see them moved and cast into the sea. He didn't say God speak to it. He said you speak to it. That's interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Now, what if, what if my words got mixed in with God's words and I use God's words coming out of my heart and coming out of my mouth and I begin to speak those? What in the world kind of power would that have? Could that have the power to save somebody's life for eternity? Hmm. Could that have the power to bring healing to somebody's soul? Could that have the power to bring encouragement and strength and courage to somebody who's in the throes of a decision that they need some help on? Could that really have, could, could my words do? Yes, they're like seeds. And they're powerful. And when planted, they grow into something good. Or if they're bad, they grow into something grotesque. Hmm. So now, what kind of seeds are you planting around you with the words you speak? That's important because will you be glad to eat the crop that you plant today. Because that's what tomorrow's holding. It's true, isn't it? All right. Now, so James has already shared a couple things about words already. You'll find these familiar if you've been with us the last few weeks. In James 1.19, he says this. Let every person, every man, every woman, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get mad. Right? Now, I, I talked about the design. God, God has designed even our bodies in this sense, that he has left our ears on the outside of our head, and our ears are to be open all the time. And we're to be hearing, we're to be listening. 
Right? So we're to be swift to hear all around us. God put two ears. Mama said God gave you two ears and one mouth because you all listen twice as much as you talk. It's always been a problem for me. Anybody know anything like that? Or anybody like that? Anybody sitting? Never mind. I'm sorry. Starting trouble now, ain't you, preacher? So be swift to hear. So now, think about, think about your, your anatomy. God put your ears on the outside to be open all the time. What did he do with your tongue? He took your tongue and he stuck it in a dark cave and put it behind these ivory bars and said, don't you dare open that thing up until you have to. Mm-hmm. Swift to hear. Say it with me. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. How come I hear this slow to hear, swift to speak, and swift to anger? How, how come I hear that in my spirit? Isn't that the way we work sometimes? Hmm. And our relationships suffer because of it. And then further in that chapter of James one twenty six, he says this. It's pretty pointed. If anyone among you thinks he is religious or right with God kind of thing, and does not bridle his or her tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. We know how that works. Because you ran into people, talked to them, thought they were good Christians, and then you heard some stuff coming out of their mouth, and you said, well, I thought they were different. You know. So we've got to be careful. Now let's, let's fast forward to James 3. And there's a warning here that most of this is negative, really, because our tongues have caused us a world of trouble. Hmm. Let's read the first four verses right here in James 3. You ready? My brothers and sisters, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I believe both in this world and the next. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. That's all too true. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature, complete man. Able also to bridle the whole body. He said if you can get control of your tongue, you can control everything else you do. That's a big statement. Verse 3, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Anybody like the horses? Anybody like horses? Anybody? I know Mr. Paul's had horses all his life, really. Look at also at ships. Although they are so large, or driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So we're talking about words have power now. So here, here, let's use this word. Let's get another word. We, we picked up some words about joy and trials and overcoming and temptation. We keep picking up words in James's teaching in this letter. Now we're going to pick up another word. Direction. Everybody say direction. direction. Your words, your tongue has the power to direct others. That's what he's talking about. All this, this picture of this, this horse with a bridle. You, you've seen that. And, and uh, you, you know, I, last time I went horseback riding, it, it's been a while. I had a buddy who, they, they still do it to this day almost every weekend. Uh, go horseback riding. He said, hey, Ron, I need you to come horseback riding with me. And uh, he said, it'll be just a short trail. It's one of our short trails. Well, that trail was eight and a half hours long. <laughs> I hadn't ridden horses in about 10 years, 15 years. And you know what? I come walking out like that. <laughs> For three days, a <laughs> boy couldn't sit down. You know what I'm talking about? But I, I had that, had that, the reins were given to me and the, the horse's bit uh, was, in his, that was in his mouth. I got on the back of that horse and it's, it's kind of old, old horse. So I got on the back of that horse. My big old self got on the back of that horse and that horse went straight on down. <laughs> it was just kind of a funny experience. But I took the reins, and he, he told me, he gave me a lesson. We finally got the horse up. The horse said, get off of me. <laughs> get your big old, what did you put on my, Last time you put one of them grandkids. Who the heck is this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, 
anyway, this is not comedy hour. James is supposed to be really pointed, but this, these things come to my mind. I, I can't help it. He, he gave me a little lesson as, as I was going to ride this horse. He said, you know, just, just pull that bit this way. Just lay that rein on his neck. You don't have to pull it real hard. Just lay that. He said, it'll tell him everything you need to know. See, just, just like the bridle is to the horse, we are to be that. Our tongue kind of directs us in life, but it also directs our relationships. And we can direct other people. It has power to direct. And then he gives the picture of the ship. You got this big, huge ship, and on the back side of this ship is just this, this little rudder. I mean, this, this ship may be 100 foot long, but that rudder, it's, it's only you know 8 or 10 foot tall. Just a little bitty thing. But it just can control the whole deal. And just like this, this is a little big thing, but it can cause a, a bunch of stuff. Hmm, you know what I'm talking about? That's what he's talking about. It's got power to direct. So now here, here's, here's the kicker. Here's, here's where we got to learn to respect this thing. And, and sometimes we get, have to get a little older to kind of get this, but we've left quite a trail behind us if we're not careful. So learn this as young as you can. Your words can direct people in the right way. That's a great thing. I mean, you can help people find truth. You can help people find direction. You can help them make decisions. You can help them find wisdom. You can, you can help them make right choices. You can help them be encouraged. You can help them be, find their worth and identity. You can help them find Christ. You, you can use your words to direct people in the right direction all the time. But here's the big kicker when we got to respect this. We, we can also use it, use our words to direct them in the wrong direction. That's quite a responsibility, isn't it? So be careful because that little thing can make some big moves in people's lives. So he said, respect it. Your words have power to direct people. So use it wisely. All right. Let's pick up some more text right here. Verse 5 and 6. James has got tons of pictures in this whole little section right here. Just tons of pictures he's given us. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. In, in, in our English, what we would say, just a little old spark could burn down the whole, whole thing. Burn down the whole house. Burn down the whole forest. And the tongue is a fire. Okay, got another picture. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Oh, man. We'll get another word. Destruction. Somebody say destruction. So the tongue has the power to bring direction, but it also has the power to bring destruction. Hmm. It has the power to destroy somebody's life, somebody's reputation, somebody's future, somebody's confidence. Tongue's got the power to do that now. And some of us know that because some of us are still carrying around some of those words that's been spoken and they're still burning down our tomorrows and our hopes and our dreams and our confidence. Hmm. Isn't it interesting? He said that the tongue is, you know, left, left unredeemed, left unsanctified, that your tongue is set on fire by hell. You ever met somebody that that's pretty evident in their life? I mean, they can't open up their mouth without burning something down. Or somebody burning somebody up. Hmm. 
My mama used to get so mad she'd have that saying. She'd say that, that just burns me up. A little old woman that's tall, she's just getting mad, boy. I don't know, the smaller they are, the madder they get. I don't know why that works. <laughs> I can't afford to get that mad. I'm too big. So easy now. <laughs> now, the tongue is set on fire by hell. Left unchecked, left out of God's care, that you will make a mess with the words that you speak. Now, what if, what if, what if, what if we had a tongue that wasn't set on fire by hell, but was set on fire by heaven? Because when I was studying this, my mind di- didn't just go to all the trouble I've caused and all the stuff I said I shouldn't have said and all the things I burned up I wish I could build back again. My mind went to the day of Pentecost. What, what happened on the day of Pentecost? Something really important happened. It, that, it says this. It said that tongues like a flame of fire set on top of those 120 people. Acts 2, you can read it yourself. It's quite graphic. It's quite, it's quite a picture. God made, a, made quite a move that changed the whole world that day. And he took 120 people and set their mouths on fire with heaven. And it changed the whole world. You're here because of them. Hmm. So what would happen if we said, God, I, I know, I know I've caused the world to hurt and world, world trouble. And I ain't got this thing under control. And I, I burned down many things. What if we said, Lord, now, now I want you to change fires. Instead of having that fire set on by hell, why don't you set my fire, my tongue on fire by heaven or with heaven? What, what could you do? Get some more text. Say all this tongue stuff, it kind of reminds me of the story of the two ladies. They're kind of known for talking too much. Two little ladies out there in the neighborhood, they were talking about the back fence and just going at it, man. They were talking about this and that and the other and him and her and them and all that. And they kept going back and forth, back and forth. And the little old lady looked at one and she said, tell me more, tell me more. She said, okay, I'll tell you more. She said, tell me. And she told her, she started talking up 10 minutes, and she stopped, and the lady said, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. The lady just got to telling, she's got to telling more, and she told her more. And the lady looked at her again, and she said, tell me more, tell me more. And she said, good Lord, I already told you more than I know already. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know how that works, right? Mm-hmm. For every kind of beast, verse 7, every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So we, we got two more words. Unruly and poisonous. Unruly and poisonous. In fact, if you're not careful even listening to, to a nice guy like me telling you the truth about something that's really important to you, if you're not careful, that unruly member inside of you will start kicking up and say, who does he think he is? What in the world does he... You know, he got his own problems. What's he doing pointing out all my problems? See, it just gets out of hand before you even know it. Next thing you know, two sentences and you done tore something up, tore somebody up. And done had the preacher for dinner. You know, I always say this. If you're going to have me for dinner, at least invite me. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. <laughs> now, this 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 idea. He says that we 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 got some pretty neat things we've done with animals. We we've been able to tame everything. We got you know we got flipper. Lord, you just stick that thing in the water and that dolphin comes up and he dances on. The, you know, we got flipper. We got orca. We had orca in his name. The killer whale. They got it. Sea world. And I think it's done now. But 
We, we, we got the elephants at the circus and we can make the monkeys do their thing. And we, we tamed everything. We, we got, we got a, a Francis the talking mule, you know. I still believe that's true. I don't care what you think. Um, I saw that every Saturday when I was growing up. <laughs> he was on there. He was talking to that dude. I can just tell you. And we got Trigger, you know, Trigger. They, they tamed all Trigger and all that kind of stuff. We got, to, we can tame the, the biggest of beasts, but we have trouble, trouble with the smallest of our members. That's what he's talking about. That the tongue can be unruly. That no, no man can tame it. That's, that's an important phrase. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. No man can tame it. So no matter how many classes you take, no matter how many anger management classes you take, your tongue is still going to control your body unless God is in control of it. Because nobody can, not even you, you can't tame your own tongue. Now you can, you can hold back and change some things, but you'll find out real quick that thing will get out of control. It's unruly. It's out of control. And he, he likens it to a deadly poison. It takes us back to that Proverbs 18 thing about death and life are in the power of the tongue, that death thing. That death and how, how many people have we made deathly ill or sick because of the words we spoke? And how many of us have lost marriages because of those things? Relationships, opportunities. The tongue has the ability to produce deadly poison. In fact, he says it's full of it. It's full of it. So he compares it to a wild animal and can't be tamed, unruly animals, and compares it to deadly poison. Hmm. Let's get the last bit of James 3 right here that, for our purposes today. And with, it, with this tongue, with our words, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, people. People who have been made in the similitude of God or His image and His likeness is the way Genesis would say it. Out of the same mouth, get that? Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Lord, help me. Here's this picture. Does a spring, is spring like a... We call them creeks around here, but they call them springs in the Bible. Does a spring send forth fresh water out of its source? Now, I got, may get mixed up down, downstream a little bit, but does a spring send out fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? What's the answer to that question? No. Can a fig, he's going to ask us another question. Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives? Or, or can a grapevine bear figs? Mm-mm. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. All right, so now he gives us two more words. That our tongue has the, our words have power to bless. We know that, don't we? We know that. In fact, Jesus teaches us, this is another one of those things that comes from the Sermon on the Mount, which James has many, many references to Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount right here embedded in this letter. Jesus says, bless and do not curse. Now, when we think of curse, we think of four-letter words or whatever, and those aren't necessarily good because that's kind of talking out of the sewer and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you ought to be a little bit more intelligent you know, than that. You ought to get you some more words because that's just a sign of ignorance more than anything. 
But we have the power to bless and curse. Curse is not just those four-letter words. To, to curse someone is to speak ill of them and to, to, to wish harm upon them. That's the idea of a curse. And Jesus said we ought to be a people who bless and do not curse. And right here he says that your tongue has the power to bless God. Now we just got through singing a song, How Great Thou Art. And you know what? We, 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 I hope you weren't just singing that to us, and I hope we weren't just singing that to you. We, that, that was to turn our attention to our Heavenly Father and say, How great you are. And we have the power, and this is something that's always mesmerized me, that I, little old me, little old nobody, can have the power to touch God's heart and make Him feel something when I say something good to Him. That's amazing. Your tongue has the power to touch heaven. It also has the power to bless people. You, you know these people, these people like Miss Pat, that are just wonderful. She's not here this morning, so we can talk about it. She won't get embarrassed, although she'll probably watch it on Facebook anyway. Say, hey, Miss Pat, sorry. How about Miss Pat? Don't you just want to wrap her up and take her to work with you every day, take her home with you and all that kind of stuff? Because she tells me how handsome I am and how beautiful you are and how wonderful you are and how great that was and how awesome you are and how wonderful things are. And here's something for you. <laughs> That's her. And, <laughs> and she'll give you something. She's just wonderful like that. You just love people like that. Man, you can talk to me all day like that. I love it. We just love to see her coming. We love to see people like that coming into our lives. We love to have our cheerleaders because we need them. The Bible calls them encouragers. People that are on our side and there's no doubt about it. We need those kind of people. Now they speak truth to us too. But, but, but they're on our side. We know that. They're blessing to us, right? And we love to see them coming. But there's a few other people we love to see them going. You know what I'm talking about? Which kind of person are you? Are you the one that they love to see coming? Or are you the one that they love to see going? Because hmm. your words have the power to be a blessing to other people. You can make a difference in somebody's life. Hmm. How about we do this? Going into Dollar General and Walmart. You know, that's tough places to go sometimes. How about when you get ready to go in there and say, Lord, is there anybody you want me to bless in there today? Because there's a whole lot of cursing that goes on in that checkout line. I'm not talking about four-letter words. There's a lot of that too, probably. But we're upset. We get upset real easy at folks. And he says, he said, you need to check yourself on this. He said, because you're, you're, you're throwing out all these harmful things to people. And you know what? You've forgotten something. That these people are made in God's image. See, that's, that's, that's one of the main governing principles of morality in the Bible is that we are to look at people and we are to see them as God's image and likeness. And that helps control our behavior towards them. Helps us honor them more, right? This show getting quiet in here now. And he says there's a problem with this, though. He said there's a problem with this mixture we have. So we want to come to church or we want to turn on the radio or we want to sing off our, our phone or whatever it might have. We want to sing and do all those kind of things and we want to bless God here and then by the time we get out of that car and we step out there, we turn into something else. There's a problem with this mixture in us. Nobody in here is immune from it. In fact, we've all struggled with it, no doubt about it. There's a problem of this mixture that good and bad, he uses the 
picture of, a, of spring and trees. That, that You know, apple tree, he doesn't use this one, but apple tree cannot produce oranges. I don't care how hard you try. It just won't do it. And he uses this image that good and bad are coming out of the same person. And this is the, this is the lesson he gives us. These things ought not be so. It shouldn't be, should it? Your words have power. All right, let's, let's find a way to land this plane here. Ephesians 4, 29. Some great instruction the Apostle Paul gives us at the end of the, or closer to the end of the letter. He says this. As if we are somewhat responsible, he says, you let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. There goes half stuff I was going to say already, right? <laughs> let no corrupt word. So what's corruption? What is that? What does corrupt mean? What is corrupt? What, what, what if something is corrupt? What happens to it? What is it? It's spoiled or it's going bad? It's something like, you know, it's, it's like if it's still, it's, rust is corrupting it, it's causing it to corrode, right? It's causing it to break down. See, words have the power, like rust is on steel and it eats it away. Rust, words have the power to corrupt somebody. He said, so don't allow corrupt things to come out of your mouth. But instead, what is good for necessary building up or edification the word edifice is in there. Except, so don't let the corrupt stuff, that's, that's the, like the bad stuff, don't let that come out of you, but let good stuff come out of you because it's the good stuff that people can build their lives with. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace. That, that, that word grace right there could be the word empowerment. So that it can impart in part, from me to you, giving it from me to you, that's impartation. It can impart empowerment to those that hear. That's why we like to hang around encouraging people. People with positive attitudes. People have a good, good look on life. People have faith. People have hope in them. We look to those kind of people. And I'm going to tell you, you want influence in people's lives? Give them hope. If you give people hope and tell them about the hope that's in Christ and the hope of the hereafter and the hope that He has laid out for the coming of His kingdom, you give people that kind of hope and you will always have a voice in their life. Because the world is slow on it. It is low on hope. And He says, I want, I want you. See, so, so you can use your words to corrupt people or you can use your words to empower people. It's our choice. Okay? So we can use our words to dishonor people or we can use our words to honor people. You can say it 15 different ways. So, back to that little statement. James had no man or no woman can tame their tongue. Nobody. I mean, we got Shamu, we can take care of him, but Lord, that tongue is tough. So what's the problem? How, how can we get control of this little monster that's locked up in between this upper and lower jaw? How, how can we get control of that? Well, Jesus gives us a little hint right here. In Luke six forty five. Jesus is speaking to us. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart 
brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the... Finish for me. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so James just got through telling us about a spring. So now Jesus is telling us that, that the spring or that source that's inside of you is your heart. It's your character. It's, it's your nature. It's who you really are. It's your soul. That, that kind of idea. And out of the abundance of whatever's in your soul, whatever, however you are, that's what comes out of your mouth. Let me say it like this real plain. If you got tongue trouble, it's because you got heart trouble. So that's why we can't tame the tongue, because, see, we started with the tongue. But guess what? Only God can change the heart. That, that's, where, that's where it's got to have. That's, that's the source. Out of the abundance. So if the heart is good, guess what comes out of the mouth? Good. And if the heart is evil, guess what comes out of the mouth? So, dear, dear Lord, that ought to make you want to shut up. Because guess what we know? We learn real fast. Oh boy's cussing the blue streak and he said, Man, I don't know where that come from. Well I do. I know where it come from. It didn't come from left field, it come from right there. It, it does, and all of us. Hmm. So if you have tongue trouble, it's because you have heart trouble. And only God can change your heart. So so why don't you talk to God about your tongue? And your heart. Let me say it like this. When you talk to God, it will change the way you talk to people. You believe that? And let me add this little prayer to you as we close it. Here's a little prayer. You need to put this in your memory banks. So you can pull it out anytime you need to with or without a Bible. It's a great little prayer. This comes out of Psalm 19, verse 13 and 14. It says, keep back your servant. This is David praying. Keep back your servant. Whenever I see the word servant in the Bible, I always say son because, I mean, I'm not trying to change it. I'm just saying I, servants are not always sons, but sons are always servants. And I, I, I'm, I'm God's son. And I serve it. So keep back your son. That's how I read it when I read it there. Your servant son. Also from presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins. We, we, we don't use that kind of idea. It's, it's translated like this. Sins of pride. Sins of arrogance. So let me say it like this. Keep back your servant from sins of pride and sins of arrogance. In fact, you know what the root of all sin is anyway? Ain't no doubt about it. So the prayer is kind of starting off in repentance and asking for help, Lord, and, and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. And here's another part of the prayer. You probably heard this before. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation in my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's a great prayer, isn't it? That's one you need to engage quite often. Especially this last part right here. Say it with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Find a place to plug that in. Amen. See, now, you can't tame the tongue by yourself, but you and God can get that thing under control. Amen. So, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. We had another head-on collision with James today. He just seems to kind of read our mail. And Lord, first we come to you in repentance. We know we've stirred up a lot of mess with our tongues. Done a lot of damage with it. Hurt lots of folks. That would include all of us. So first I guess we need to come, Lord, on the grounds of we need your forgiveness. We need your help. We need you to cleanse us from the sins we've been a part of. We believe it's only by your blood and by your grace and by your mercy we can find that. So clean us up. And Lord, I pray you'd help us get this thing under control. We don't want our words to disqualify us from being able to speak into somebody's life and to help them, to bring healing to them. We don't want our words to disqualify us. But we acknowledge we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it alone. We need your help. And thank God we don't have to. We need your help. Help us, as David said in another place, Lord, to set a guard over our mouth. So we're careful. We're more careful. We're just a little more respectful of things that we say. And Lord, I pray for healing in marriages. There's a lot said back and forth in those things. Healing in families, Lord. And exchanges between parents and children, Lord. All those kind of things that just absolutely bring that hellfire. Mm. Save us from that destruction, Lord, and help us rebuild from a better place. And Lord, set us on fire by heaven. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable, be pleasing to you, Lord. Pray that for each of us. In the name of the Lord, who is our strength, who is our teacher, who is our redeemer. Amen.